you know, you're coming up with great ideas and and then maybe everyone there doesn't, you know, sometimes in France they don't know exactly why or, you know, so there, it is challenging. It's challenging, I think, for any brand that, that's working on a global scale, it's, it's hard because people still have different approaches and, and, and also because a lot of the people that we took on had been working for the brand before, you know, sometimes things are new and things are different, but that's okay too. And I think that's the beauty of it. I think it's always, you know, it's kind of like when I'm decorating, I love to have old and new. And I think it's the same thing with a great company. I think you always have to keep the original and, and really honor it, but then also have the new and, and that's what makes it exciting. Building a business is hard enough. Being a mom also, that's another level. But co-founding a business with your spouse, someone who is already a serial entrepreneur and an icon in their industry, that takes some serious strategy, guts, and determination. Sharin Von Wolfen has built Bastide, a beauty brand focused on making skincare a moment, allowing women to pause and have a ritual. Coming up, You'll hear about standing up for yourself while knowing your limitations, why anger can actually be great energy, and why using your gut in the hiring process is crucial. This is the Entrepreneurship Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Shireen, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. My pleasure. So <laughs> you relaunched Bastide in 2016 with your husband, Frederick Fakai. What motivated you to make this decision? So it kind of, I mean, the I think the best things happen in a very organic way, and this for sure was super organic. We my husband's from Aix-en-Provence, and when I first met him in New York, he said to me, you know, this is the city that makes me, you know, excited. I'm going to stay here forever. He was just, like, buzzing about New York City, and I just moved here. So it made perfect sense to me. I loved it, too. And funny enough, the, almost to the day that he turned 50, he really needed his roots. And so we realized we'd already been visiting quite a bit, but it just made more and more sense for us to spend more time there. And um, really by chance, for a while we were looking for a house in X and we couldn't really find anything. And then he went back um, for a quick visit and a, an agent called him and said, listen, I have something amazing for you to see. And he's like, you know what, we've kind of decided we're not going to get anything. Don't worry about it. And the guy's like, you got to see this and just give me, you know, half an hour. And Frederick saw it and it was love at first sight. It was one of those, you know, gems of a place and it was an old Bastide. Wow. So it's an old house, um, 17th century um, it used to be like a, a pavillon de chasse, you call it, which is like a hunting lot, like a hunting house. Wow. And and he fell in love with it. And that's that was really where our journey began. So we started renovating this place. Um, I had just had my second child. Um, I remember getting the shingles because I was like overwhelmed oh with goodness. everything, you know, trying to doing too much at once, doing too much at once, <laughs> living in the States, you know, trying to fix this house, um, having the baby, you know, it was just, it was, it was cra a crazy time, but um, the beginning of something really beautiful because we basically restored this old house um, and, and Frederick was really into the garden. So we have, you know, we have lavender, we have olive trees. And the greatest thing is that we're about five minutes from Aix-en-Provence, which is a, 
um, 200,000 person, 200, person town, uh, university town founded by the Romans. And it was founded by General Sextius uh, in whatever, 200 BC. Wow. And it's just an amazing, beautiful town. And, you know, so you have this house that's close to something. Because a lot of times you'll end up in the country somewhere in Provence and you're just away from, you know, a village. And in this way, um, we're really close to a, to a great town. And the and our property is just beautiful. You feel like you're in a fairyland because you're all it's all green around you. And um, so that was that was really the beginning of Bastide. Um, we started renovating this house, and while we were spending more time in Provence, we um, Frederick had met this woman earlier, Nicole Oug, who had founded what was called Cote Bastide at the time. So it used to be called Cote Bastide, our company. And um, and then we decided. Uh, she was getting, she was thinking of retiring. Her kids weren't sure if they wanted to take it over. They'd asked Frederick to kind of get more involved. And at a certain point, I said to Frederick, I said, why don't we just do this? Because um, it feels so much like what we, you know, what we're, what we want for our house, what we, what we're trying to develop for our house. So it was really like that, that it started very organically. And, um, and it's a tiny company, you know, it's, it's really almost like a startup because it, it hardly existed. It wasn't very widely distributed, but it always had this amazing feeling to it. And the woman had, had a great sense of, of Provence and, and beautiful products, beautiful packaging. So it was something that we really loved. Mm -hmm. And then basically this baby that we took over to grow. So, um, so it's been an amazing journey and, and, and we've done a lot to change it. We basically reformulated because we wanted everything to be um, very modern and very clean. So we wanted very clean, uh, beauty and uh, yeah, we relaunched and it's been a lot of fun and it's kind of you know it's our baby that's growing up. So, what year was so this? Did we buy it in two thousand? So then I guess we bought it in two thousand fourteen, and we relaunched in two thousand sixteen and opened our first store in Aix en Provence, which is the only store we have. And wow. we worked with a local architect who uh, her name is Amelia Tavella, who built this. Again, she worked with because we work with artisans. So we basically, for our products, we work with local artisans. Um, we call them makers. So in each category, so for our creams, we have one person who's an expert in creams that we work with, and then we have a, a, a candle maker who makes all of our candles. We have a glass maker who hand blows the glass can that the candles go into. So we really, the idea was also that we wanted to to rejuvenate. Or, or keep alive everything that Frederick loved so much about Provence. Because one thing that he really felt in coming back is that it had been kind of commercialized and that people were, uh, you know, that the products weren't the quality anymore that he was used to. And so we said, let's go to the original makers. Let's really work with local experts to make all of our products, um, which is much harder because, you know, as you know, if you're making something in a, in one place and it's, it's much easier, but this way we really get formulations that are extraordinary. And you're also working with people who are really in the region, who know the plants, who know, um, who know things for, for many years and sometimes generations, you know, so usually we work with, uh, companies that have been in doing this for generations and also to keep them alive. So that's been been really fun. What was the process like when you were actually buying the business? So for some of our listeners who are thinking about possibly buying a business versus starting their own business from scratch, what was that like? Yeah, it's it's funny to think back. I mean, the, you know, I'm I'm married to a serial entrepreneur, mm -hmm. so um Frederick Fakai, so he I think for him 
it made more sense to buy it than to just start something because I think what he loved is that there was something so special mm-hmm. already there. Um, and, and so I think he really wanted to preserve that and grow that. And I, I think always when you have a seed of something amazing, you know, you, that, that, excites you and and it felt so natural to us so i think because we were so drawn to the brand it made sense to buy it rather than recreate something sure. from scratch um and i think he also felt you know this this was a woman that he'd known for a long time she she'd made products together with him for for fakai so i think he also felt like he wanted to continue what she had done um i mean the process isn't easy for sure because i think you go through so many stages you know where you think uh do you want to keep these, you know, keep the original owner in, in some Mm -hmm. form, but that becomes complicated because it's her baby and, you know, you have to make certain changes and those are difficult for her. So, you know, it's not an easy process by any means. Um, But I think in the end, you, like I said, I think when you're building a business, something about being organic makes so much sense and kind of letting things um, happen. So, so even though you go through tough times, it's all for a good reason, you know, so, so it's not all easy for sure. (laughs) And, you know, the negotiations and the, you know, and, um, but, but I think we really felt that we had something very special. And so, so that's why we wanted to continue with Bastide. Yeah. So when did you take the leap and leave your corporate job to just focus on Bastide? So I actually, uh, had already, uh, started working. I was a consultant when I before I started Bastide, and I stopped working in a corporate job when I had my first baby. So it was really it was one of those things. I I feel like I worked very hard my whole life. You know, I always earned my own money. You know, and I'm straight out of college, basically before college was already working, and I felt like that was the time for me. It was funny the the minute I became pregnant and during my pregnancy, and I think maybe also because I had some trouble conceiving mm. before, you know, I think once when, once you're pregnant, I, I felt like I really wanted this time for me and I didn't want, I didn't know what it would feel like to have a baby and what it would mean. And so I said, I just don't want to commit to being somewhere. And I basically resigned, I think six months before I had my baby. So I had some time off and then, um, I never went back to a full-time job ever since and and really started then I think I kind of took off for a year for, with each baby and then was always consulting in between so I basically started my own um, communications consultancy and was consulting in between and then when Bastide happened that became but again it happened very organically yeah. and I think I could never have gone back into a corporate job but I felt like because this all just happened and to this day Bastide is very much a part of our family it's very much a part of you know, so you'll see the way we live, like it's it's work and it's life. Yeah. It's not the two are very inter interlinked. And um and I feel like also the way people work today really makes sense for young companies and for moms who are working because you're you know, you can take time and, and do both and work from home and then work in the office. So that flexibility is is something that's that I've found very very good. And I think it also makes you more creative and it makes you, I've never felt as, as creative or as, as in tune as, as I do now. And, you know, I think when I was working in corporate jobs, you're kind of always sitting in an office. Most of the time I never had a window. And I think that kind of holds you back. Yeah. 
No, I think that's great. And I was just telling you, I have a 12-week-old and yeah. owning my own business, it's definitely so important to be able to have the flexibility that if I have to you know, be home at 4.30 for a doctor's appointment, I can go home and then keep working from home later. So it's definitely definitely great to be able to be your own boss when, when you have children, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's also permitting, letting yourself live that. Yeah. You know, I think that we all grew up in a time when it was like, you know, you have to show up, you have to be there, you have to, you know, so we're always putting these pressures on ourselves. And I think once we start to kind of relax a little bit and say, and realize how good we can be yeah. if if we use our own time well, um, it's, it's fine, you know, just relax into it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't think you have to force yourself to to do something. So. I couldn't agree more. How old are your kids now? Seven and and ten. So are they involved in the business too? They are. They are. So they're. I mean, when we're at when we're in Provence um, at at our Bastide, um, that's kind of like central <laughs> central op. Um, uh, so they're. It's really cute. I mean, they do little things like they'll obviously test everything. Yeah. You know, so they're always smelling. My daughter is funny. I really think she was born with a Fakai gene because <laughs> she's always doing people's hair, and um, you know, she's very interested in that whole world. She has an amazing nose, so mm. she's always smelling things for us and. And she's writing the labels, you know, especially when we're testing things, she'll handwrite the labels. Um, actually, our Bastide logo, the handwritten, was also inspired a little bit by her because Frederick always loves the way the French still learn to write in cursive, mm. you know. And so he was like, that was... They don't even teach cursive anymore here. Teach cursive. <laughs> and apparently it's very good for the brain. And oh. it's very good, you know, because you're, the, the, the motions of the hands yeah. are developing your brain. So um, I think they're hopefully going to realize that and go back to it because it's much more than just um, teaching nice handwriting. Yeah. It's much, it's really about brain development. So absolutely. And she has beautiful handwriting. Oh my so, goodness. No, that's so wonderful. It's fun. Yeah. And it's, and I think they really, I love that too, that they can see that, that we're both working on something and they see the end result and they're proud of it. And, you know, my bre my son will come home and he say, my teacher said that she has our candle and you know, <laughs> she loves it. And, you know, so there's this real pride in, in our, um, in what we make. And I think that's, that's, I think my son, he's always saying, you know, I invented this drink, you know, he, he makes up drinks because I think he gets this idea yeah. of like making things and that, you have ownership over them and so definitely future entrepreneurs it sounds like for the two yeah, of them yeah they're really cute they're they're fun and it's good for them to see that for sure yeah. how do you you and your husband divide up your responsibilities in the business so frederick is it's not always easy because i think um because he's an entrepreneur he's somebody who really likes to have control mm -hmm. and and i think that you know that makes sense too you kind of always have to have one final boss um, but I think in a, I'm obviously, you know, communications is my background. And then my interests is, I'm very, I love design. I love art. I love anything, you know, in that sphere. So I'm very involved in packaging. I mean, products we really do together. Mm -hmm. So he's he has an incredible nose too. So we really work on that together. And we have a team too. So we have an amazing team. But in terms of our division, it's more, I'm more on the, creative um, communication side and he's much more the business distribution you know so uh, so that's kind of that's the big the big division but there are many times when we you know we fight over things I was gonna and, say what happens when you disagree oh, how do you come to God. a resolution <laughs> and that was another thing I think you have to really I'm definitely one of those people who grew up as a pleaser and I always wanted everyone to think that everything went smoothly. And I had to learn that too. I had to learn to stick up for myself mm -hmm. and to say, you know, I remember there was this one time when he kind of said to me, um, I think we were working on the store in X and 
I had some idea about what I thought the store should look like. And he said, you know what? You should just stick to communications. And I said, well, you know what? You should maybe just stick to cutting hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, obviously he's amazing. He's an entrepreneur. I have so much respect yeah. for what he's done. I would never compete with that or anything. But I also felt like it was important to give him his place and yeah. say, why should you tell me that I'm not ready to make these decisions when you know, you are are making those decisions. So I think that's the other thing is you have to be able to stand up for yourself a little bit and, I mean, know your limitations for sure and learn, but, um, but still stick, stick up for yourself and, and, and realize that you have, uh, you know, things that are important to say. So what do you do when there's a disagreement and you have to go home to each other at night? <laughs> do you have you able to separate? Uh, no, I. I mean, we've we've had real shouting matches for sure. I'm trying to think. The good news is, is that I. I think that's another. I read this really interesting article about in New Yorker magazine about anger and how we're always so afraid to express our anger, and that actually it's one of the best ways to resolve things. And I think that's the other thing. I think when you're angry, the, the important thing is not to say hurtful things mm -hmm. as much as you can, um, you know, or things that you can't take back, but still to really show your anger and really express yourself. And then it gets better. So I think it's one of the greatest um, energies that you can bring into a, you know, obviously well-placed, hopefully, mm -hmm. and, and, and not all the time. <laughs> if you're fighting all the time, that's a problem. But um, yeah, I think it's helped us. I think we, and we usually always figure it out. And yeah. it, he, he's also someone who, who does listen. And I think he also really values that, that I'm one of the few people who will tell him like it is. And I think that's kind of good to have in your business because, um, someone who's been an entrepreneur for so long, who hasn't had a boss mm -hmm. ever, yep. basically, um, needs to hear some other thoughts too and and realize that he's not always right so and i and the good news is he takes it like he he realizes it i think that's really good advice because it's definitely hard you know being married to someone and having a business together you're with that person probably almost 24 7 so you have to figure out how to how to balance both and make both work so i think that's very good advice yeah and it's i mean there's a bit of this you know i always i always try to look at myself and say you know the last thing i want to be is the wife of someone who's putting herself into the, you know, or making remark. I mean, I, because I think when I was working in the business, um, especially with Tom Ford, I remember there were some wives who would get involved in the business and you were kind of like, you know, and I remember even Tom Ford saying to me, he's like, if, or he gave this advice to young entrepreneurs that if, you know, there's an investor who wants to buy your business and the wife wants to get, you know, wants to tell you how to run your business, run for mm -hmm. the hills, you know? So I, I think there's always this little voice inside me that says, please don't be that wife. Right. Um, and, and that's a good thing. I think it's good that you're aware that you, you really have to contribute something you have to, and, and it can't be, and it can't be ego. Mm -hmm. It has to be about the business. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line. You always have to think about the business and not about what you like or what you think is right, but really what's going to be best for the business. Definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. Coming up, why using your gut in the hiring process is crucial and a surprise. So I'd love to talk about how you've grown and scaled your business. I know you mentioned you're hiring new roles. Can you share a little bit about how you've been able to scale and hire new people? 
So um, we started as a very small company. Um, we One thing we did is we took over quite a few of the people who were working there before. So we kind of had, um, I guess, three in, in Aix-en-Provence. And then we... Um, so we the first I would say the first two years we kind of stayed um we were kind of ten people. So mm-hmm. in the US we hired a CEO and a chief marketing officer. Um and then it was Frederick and I. We had three in X, we hired two more in X. You know, we're I'm also mm-hmm. counting our people who work in the store. Um so you know, the first two years were were uh, a pretty small team. And then what happened when Frederick bought back his business, the Fakai business, mm-hmm. um, we were able to find there's some roles where, where we have people working on both brands. Mm-hmm. So that's really been a big change for us. So very, um, very good for Bestied. And I feel like now in the last year, year and a half, we're kind of, we've almost doubled in size wow. in terms of people that, that work for us. Yeah, Good for you. Yeah. What was it's the process like of hiring a CEO? Because that's obviously a very important position and you have to find oh, someone it's who's... amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's another, it's it's very, one of the greatest things about Frederic too is that he's um, so, you know, he kind of gets information from everywhere. I think that's that's one of the things that amazes me, even as a hairdresser, if you think about it, I think every time he was cutting someone's hair, he was listening to them and getting information and learning. And so he's someone who knows everyone in the industry Mm -hmm. and he's always has his ear to the ground. So he's always asking everyone who's great, who's, you know, he knows everyone and all all of the the, the companies and, and, and is friends with a lot of them. So he really finds out about people. And our CEO was a great um, chance was really uh, a friend of mine who's the head of who used to be at Gucci when I was there who became the head of Barney's mm. and we were meeting with them about Bastide and said you know by the way we're looking for a for a CEO and she said oh my god I think I have a great guy for you he's at at Goyard and it turns out that the, and his name is Olivier Moinjean who's now our our CEO. And he grew up in Aix-en-Provence. Wow. So it's so funny how you meet someone in New York, you know, and and the, how small the world is. Oh, yes. And you end up hiring someone who – and the funny thing was he had been at Cartier and then at Goyard. And, and what immediately became aware to us, clear to us, is that he's such a, you know, such an incredible guy, incredible human being. And um, – and and this knowledge of X and then of the luxury industry. I mean, it was an immediate fit. And I think um, one thing where everyone we hire are really people we want to be with, you mm-hmm. know, that are friends of ours. So I think that's the other thing is our team feels very, um, very close and, and, and they're really awesome people, like people yeah. you want to spend the whole day with. So. Are there certain questions you ask during interviews that you're, you always ask or non-negotiables? Mm, I'm trying to think. I think I kind of play. No, I I don't think there's any particular question. Um, Frederick is really the incredible hire. I'm usually just kind of the the one who says okay, but I'm I'm more intuitive, so mm-hmm. I can feel like if if that's going to be a good fit. So I'm much more, and I think I think women are that way, mm-hmm. you know. So I I'm. He's much more the one who looks at the resumes and is like, you know, this person comes from this big company and and they've had this this uh, these roles. And I look much more at the person mm-hmm. and I figure out if if I can um, understand how they are. And I think because I'm much more working on the creative and the 
communication side. I want to see how they, you know, how they think, how they um, think about beauty, how they think about architecture, how they, so I think I ask kind of those, those types of questions more than um, the business ones, which are Frederick's. Do you <laughs> both interview awesome. every single person who comes into the company? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we've had some, some hires where I've not even, um, you know, where I have not met them, but usually, usually, yes, we interview everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever made a mistake hiring? We have, we have. Um, but I'm happy to say it was because he didn't check it with me. Ah, there you go. <laughs> um, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But it was really, it was one of those where it was really funny because I remember the day this person started just thinking like, oh my God, this is not going to go well. And really on a human level, it was not. What was not, it? What did you see? What did you feel? I just felt that because I know Frederick has a very specific personality and he's very honest and he's um, com- direct. And I could see that this person couldn't handle that. And wasn't going to be, wasn't as transparent. Sure. Frederick needs people who are very transparent, who are going to say, I don't know this. I do know this. Mm. Uh, let me get it for you. Uh, he can't have this. Wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. Yeah, yeah. And I could just, I could just sense it. It wasn't going to work. And I think also people who are, who are uneasy in their skin. Frederick is a person who's very real and mm. he is exactly who you, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, so what he can't stand is when people are not sure of themselves yeah. and, and, and can't stand up for themselves. I think that, yeah. Do you do team building events? I wish we did more. Um, do we do team? I mean, we kind of try to always do a little retreat or to do a university, we mm-hmm. call it. Um, um, I'm not into these little games and things like that. I always feel that's a little weird, but, um, but I do think it's very nice to get people out yeah. and, um, we did one in, in Millbrook in upstate New York where we have a house uh, that was great. I think just getting people, but I think especially when you're, you know, when you're trying to build two companies mm-hmm. at once, I mean, the pressure is on, you really don't have time to do a ton of stuff. I think now we're, we're, we're moving into new offices in September, which has been really fun. And so there we're definitely trying to think about what we can do in the space to make it, you know, to even have tables, some that are higher, some that are mm. lower, like little breakout rooms. Are you designing that, the new space? I am. Yeah. <laughs> helping, yes. And it's fun. It's really yeah. fun. Um, and to to kind of just think of ways, uh, you know, and it's the fine line between being, um, you know, going overboard and, and, and having things that are fun for people. So it's just, uh, you know. But but I, I I definitely think that the new space is going to be really important for us and bringing everyone together and and it's it's hard I think it's hard when you're growing so quickly and you're a young company um, to be organized mm. to make sure that everyone's really happy doing what they're doing and so I think that's going to be a really big focus for us because we've grown so quickly over the last year. What's and, led to the fast growth? Um, really the the buying back Fakai. Okay. <clears throat> so we so the two brands. Um, are operated out of the same offices because Frederick is there and um, and we have some people working on both brands and um, you know so we're definitely uh, suddenly it's been a big growth spurt and I think now we really have to invest in making sure I think once we have the new offices and and doing more to get people out of the office um, one thing we did this summer is to just do like little uh, workout sessions and things like that. Maybe do yoga in the office. Yeah. So, so we we need to work on that more. I think. I think it's always a, it's it's an important part of making people feel 
that there that it's a happy place yeah, to be. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about the growth. So you shared it's from buying back uh, Fakai, but tell me a little bit about the marketing strategy behind Bastide. Are, are most of your sales coming from online now? We are. We're online is definitely our biggest channel. Um, we have amazing retail partners really in, in Europe and the U.S. Um, and Canada. So we're with Holt Renfro in Canada. We're with Mecca in Australia, Printemps in Paris. Um, that we have our own store. We're at Liberty in London. So we have an incredible network of, of great um, partners. But our, our key um, channel is online, absolutely. Wow. And yeah, and in terms of the marketing, I mean, we're, we, we try to do as much organically as we can. Um, obviously, this whole influencer marketing, mm -hmm. you know, we do, we do have influencers create content for us. So that's been something that's been, um, that's really worked for us and, and always trying to find people who are, you know, who really understand the brand, live the brand. Yeah. And one of the interesting things has been this whole online marketing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just amazing that whole world out there and, 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 and it's so new, you know, so when I was still doing communications, it was all magazines yeah. and it was, you know, it was a very different world. And I think, um, were you open to all the changes? I think so. I feel yeah. like I'm very open to all the changes. I think that you still have to be, you still have to listen to your gut. Yeah. And I think what feels comfortable to you is what's going to be good and what's going to resonate. And I think, um, you have to be even more clear and, and, in your in your storytelling mm -hmm. and you have to really make sure that everything you're using um, in online marketing, all of your ads are really high quality. You know, so I yeah. think that's been the hard part for me because I'm a very visual person and and so sometimes I feel like I don't want it to seem so ad-like. Yeah. Um, but it's an amazing, amazing space. And I think like any new communication form, you just have to trust your gut and 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 if it feels right then it is it's fine it's not yeah it's just a new world and it's it's amazing are you approving all of the content that goes out overseeing communications we, we are i mean i think you know sometimes it'll still happen that something so i'm not approving on a daily sure. um it's more like you know we have uh someone who works on on social and we have someone who works on digital so we so we we always sit together and work on the the concepts um but it'll happen that I'll see an ad and be like mm, you know let's let's figure this out because a lot of times we're testing too sure. so we're just testing for code you know for words we're test so i realize that you know and which images are working better yeah. so i know that sometimes we have to do that but it'll just you know i'm immediately on it i'm like does it ever just... surprise you if there's an image you don't think you don't like how it looks but it's performing really really well and you have to keep it running exactly and yeah. i think that's the other thing is just being you know, you you do have to while you you have to listen to your gut. You also have to step away a little bit and say you're not you're not absolutely the the end consumer sure. always, and you don't know everything. You know, you have to be open to that. And I think that's the key to this new world too. Is that it is much more. You know, I think that I still grew up and started working in a world that was very visual and very controlled. Yeah. I remember when I was first doing. PR and I, you know, we would have slides mm. and I remember the head of, you know, my, my boss would check the slides before they went out. And I was like, you know, and, and today if you sent out, you know, and the slides would take three weeks yeah. to be done <laughs> and the event, you know, and, and now if you were to send out, you know, things happen so quickly yeah. and there is no more of this checking which side of the face is photographed or not photographed or which image looks good before it goes out. And so I think, um, you know, it can be hard, but but it's also really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think it makes the world a much more 
um, you know, it makes it makes it more exciting. It makes yeah. it more more real and more accepting too, I think. And with social media, everything moves so fast. So if you put out a piece of content, it can be gone the next day. Yeah. So spending, you know, yeah. two weeks to develop one piece of content doesn't really make sense anymore because everything moves so fast. It does. It does. And at the same time, I think, you you know, there's a good balance. Mm-hmm. Like you have to still find the balance because I think um, there's so much content out there that it almost means you have to create great content yeah. or don't do it at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then have a, have a real thought process. So- you know, it goes both ways. I think it's like any form of communication. For sure. Who is your exact target audience? And is that the audience you thought that it would be initially when you set out to start this business? Our target audience is kind of, you know, you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, moms. Yeah. It's, it's and, and it kind of has, has worked that way. I mean, we also have... Um, we we skew pretty widely, mm-hmm. I think, especially now with our skincare. We're much younger than we thought. Um, but in general, our brand is kind of 35 to 50. So. I'm right there. Right there, yeah, 35. Right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a great it's a great place to be. And yeah. I think so it's kind of that Tribeca mom yep. is like our 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 woman. And she's active and she's, you know, has a cares about her home, but she doesn't have yeah. much time. She wants things to be natural. She um, wants things to look beautiful. Um, and, and she has children. I think that was the other thing when we started this brand, everything we, we were making, we wanted to make sure it was good for our kids. And so that was kind of our little, that was our benchmark, um, and, and our starting point always for, for making new product. Do you find that women want to try the product before they buy or are people open to just purchasing online because they've heard about it through, through a friend or through an influencer? Um, we do have some thing, you know, so we, we do have little testers for our fragrances. Mm-hmm. I think fragrance is such a personal thing. But uh, yeah, and we, we, we've we done some things, I think, when we now when we, we just launched skincare, which has been super exciting. So we've definitely done some testers for that. And, um, and I think people love that. And it's been, you know, it's been a great way for people to be, to be introduced. The other thing is because we're not as widely distrib- distributed, mm-hmm. um, it's nice to have testers online because... Um, but I do think that a lot of it is is the storytelling, mm-hmm. and I think when they can really imagine. I mean, all of our fragrances have a real story, and they really come from something. And 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 you can tell, uh, you know, the story goes with the ingredients, so you really can read almost what it smells sure. like. It's funny. It's I think both. We definitely get people who just buy it to try it, and then and and we have some testers that they can also. Um, ask for. So So you just launched skincare. So what's next? What do you have planned for in the next year, five years? What do we have planned? I mean, I think skincare, um, there's still a lot to do there. And it's been so exciting because really from the beginning, we realized we wanted to do skincare. um, And, and kind of living that life in Provence, you, you, you realize you can live a slower life. We were eating from the markets, Mm -hmm. we were eating from our own garden. um, And we really wanted that in our skin as well on our skin which we already had the body care and we made this beautiful huile patente which is a body a dry oil for the mm. body that was an absolute bestseller i think we won two awards wow. for it you know it was just it's just a beautiful beautiful product and it smells like um fleur d'oranger so it's an orange blossom mm. dry oil and it sinks into the skin it kind of is all for all the dry patches i mean it's just this amazing product and so we kept getting questions like when are you gonna finally do a face oil when are you gonna do a face oil <laughs> and we're like we're on it we're on it but one thing for us was skincare um i think again because i'm very much a perfectionist and skincare was really my baby a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wanted to make sure that we were doing it in the best way possible. What is that process of formulating a new product? How long does that take? How do you know who you should be working with? It takes really, yeah, it's a very, again, it's very organic. I mean, I think that we're kind of always inspired by plants and ingredients that we find. Um, so we're working with with several formulators, really, for mm-hmm. skincare. And, and, and we've also, you know... I mean, it, it really was almost kind of an education. I think that because I grew up in so many different places, I, I was born in Iran, I um, grew up in the States, and I spent a lot of time in Germany as a child in Austria, then um, worked in Germany for a while, worked in Italy for a while, and then moved to the States. So I feel like I kind of have seen a lot of skincare. I've tried a lot of things. And it's and and really, when I came to Provence, I realized that there was something incredibly special. First of all, in the ingredients, the the way things were made. I mean, a lot of people talk about how Provence is this basin. Um, it has volcanic ash. It's you know, there's the way the plants grow. I mean, if you if you spend time there, you realize like it's a combination of that incredible mm-hmm. sun and the soil that just makes plants that are unbelievable. And I think um, so. A lot of times, we're we're inspired by an ingredient or by a plant, something that we've found that we feel like is, is, and that can come from a formulator, you know, it can come from, um, sometimes I found it, you know, we also have a guy who works with us who does our lavender harvest Mm. and he, you know, brought me in in a plant and I was like, you know, so, so it really can come from many different places. Um, and, and also this, this idea that, you know, when you're going to the vegetable garden or when you're eating from the market, you're so much healthier. And so I think that that is what inspired us to say, let's look to nature. You know, there are these incredible things. And you f- if you feel better when you're eating them, these could be great on your skin. What accomplishment would you say you're most proud of to date? I think, I mean, I think our team is probably is the most exciting. I think I get excited every day. It's so so nice also to work with a lot of young people mm-hmm. because you really get this completely different um, viewpoint. And then skincare. I think skincare has been really exciting, and it's and to finally get it done. I think it's that was our hardest um, battle. So so just from a product point of view, I'm very excited about the launch of skincare. Um, yeah. And then maybe also our building our store in X. I think that was a really fun project working with an architect that's yeah. local. And um, yeah, so there have been many high points. <laughs> Any plans to open a store in New York? You know, we thought about it. And just because of the because we're small mm-hmm. and we have to be smart where we invest, yeah. um, it makes much more sense for us to put that into online right now. But eventually we may. And we have a beautiful um, space right now at the conservatory mm-hmm. in New York. That's an experiential space. It's actually called La Sieste Bastide. So we worked with an artist from France that came and painted a whole room for us to look like a Bastide. Oh, wow. And inside you have a hanging chair and you have a video, um, you have sound and and uh, a video of Provence. So the idea is that you're immersed in the sight, sounds and sense of Provence. And um, and it's just a moment to relax again, because of this whole idea that beauty is about taking time for yourself, yes. escaping a little bit, a little bit of this you know, having having uh, a moment of Provence in your life. So that's a great place to check out and, and also try our products. And then we're at Neiman's in New York as well. So. Oh, perfect. I'm going to have to go there and yeah. try them. <laughs> yeah. Hudson Yards. Up next, advice in both business and beauty. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entreprenista Facebook group. 
head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed. It's going to be an exciting 2019, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Oh, I saw on your Instagram, you know, the face love ladies. Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. I love Rachel Lang. I mean, she's just a superstar. They're amazing. Courtney and I. So Courtney's usually here recording, but she's actually away on vacation right now. So she's she's great. Missing you, but we Courtney had met them, and then we went and got their face love, and it's so amazing. It's amazing, and I think that's a real. That's another thing that we really found. You know, again, that that business is so much about finding people who think the way you do. And Rachel Lang and I just hit it up and we really fell in love. She has the same approach to taking care of yourself and and giving giving your mom your skin time to to relax and and so with her we developed this great facial massage that goes with our product so um our face oil is basically applied and it and it comes from this whole um ritual that French women have of taking that time and really massaging your skin while you're applying something and that's what makes your skin more beautiful yeah. too it's the and and she has this great saying where she says blood follows follows hand or follows touch so whenever you're massaging that's what draws the blood and that detoxifies it clarifies you know it brings fresh blood fresh oxygenated blood to the surface so so it's a really um a tried and true ritual of the french women yeah. and and it's something that that we really should be doing every day because it's it takes 2 seconds and it makes such a difference in your yeah. skin I always find myself massaging my massaging my face because people forget about that. Yeah. You get massages on your back and your body, but your face is just so important. Yeah, and it's, and it's a combination because it's on the one hand, it's face gym, yeah. you know, so you're really working those muscles. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's also relaxing because I think so many people think that they have to get Botox. And, mm-hmm. and if you're really just learning to relax your muscles, you don't need the Botox. Yeah. You know, it's just that you're just constantly um, inundated by this whole world and you need to also learn to take the stress out or to not even let it get to yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just sit back and sit relax. Back, relax, yeah. So we were talking a little bit about social media before and Courtney and I obviously own a social media agency and what we've learned with a lot of our clients is that surprising and delighting is very important for companies to do with their guests, with their followers. So if you look to your left, we have a little surprise for you below, down on by your seat. Ooh. That is for you. Wow. So, of course, Surprise yes, you have a copy delight. of the book in there. So Thank that was already you. there for you. Aww. But if you look in there, yeah. there's something special in there. I spent some time on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's another book in there. Right? This one? Nope. This one? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes. So I know how important this place is to you. So we found this special this book. Wonderful. Have you seen this book before? I have. Oh, I'm like, maybe you already have it. I have, it. <laughs> I have every book. So we know you just... too well then. Absolutely. Well, you so can share beautiful. it with someone. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. I actually have this in, yeah. No, it's really beautiful. Markets of Provence um, by Marjorie Williams. And it's food, antiques, crafts, and more um, with re- restaurant and regional specialty recommendations. So it's all about Provence. It's great. Yeah, it's, I mean, discovering Provence has been one of the highlights, you know, of of, of this whole thing is just kind of, I love 
anything that's handmade, you know, so there's still so much beautiful pottery. There's also a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's it, like kind of searching through um, markets and and finding the gems. But there's still a lot of great artisans um, who are doing things uh, the original way that, that, you know, and that's, again, that's what inspires us at Bastide is to always find a way to make things beautifully and um, with great, great uh, natural power. So... How much time do you spend in New York versus in Provence? So we actually, last year we were thinking of moving um, full time. Um, we usually spend about four months of the year in Provence and the rest here. But because the kids are in school and mm. they're getting older, it's harder. So we kind of, right now the, the summer is kind of two months and then we spend most vacations there. And Frederick and I go back pretty much, one of us goes back every month. I mean, I'm kind of the mom, so I tend to not travel as much when the kids are in school, and then he usually does it. But then when we're as soon as we're off, we go. We're in back in Provence. Is it hard to manage a business overseas? It is and it isn't. I think that because we have our executive team here, um, it works. It works pretty well. I think that for sure, you know, your vacations kind of turn into work, sure. but that's okay too. It's not bad. It's, it's, I mean, as long as you like your work, it's yeah. fine. Um, it's, it has its challenges and I think it has its challenges also because you're, you know, you're coming up with great ideas and, and then maybe everyone there doesn't, you know, sometimes in France, they don't know exactly why or, you know, so there it is challenging and it's challenging, I think for any brand that, um, that's working on a global scale, it's it's hard because people still have different um, approaches. Sure. And, and and also because a lot of the people that we took on had been working for the brand before. You know, sometimes things are new and things are different, um, but that's okay too. And I think that's the beauty of it. I think it's always, you know, it's kind of like when I'm decorating, I love to have old and new. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing with a great company. I think you always have to keep the 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 original and and really honor it but then also have the new and and that's what makes it exciting what does your typical day look like my typical is there a typical day (laughs) different here than it is in provence so we are in provence i mean i usually i guess should i do a school day or should i do a sure yeah And how do you balance being a mom and running this business? We we basically, I mean, it's kind of seven o'clock wake up, kids, you know, get the kids ready. Um, I usually make breakfast. I do the whole pancakes and and I do crepes and I'm a very good breakfast Even during the week on school days? Every day. Oh, my goodness. I do. Um, (laughs) And then it's a rare, it's really, it's a rare day that we have cereal. But on the weekends, always cereal (laughs) because I sleep late. But during the week, I'm I'm, I'm always making something. And then... Can I move in? You're welcome to. I'm not saying it's very good, but it's it's there. No, I'm kidding. It's actually you know breakfast is a fun time for us, and we're we're usually all together. Um, and then um, we take the kids to school. Sometimes Frederick and I take them together. Then usually Frederick goes straight to the office. I go back to my. I have a home office, mm-hmm. and then I either do a workout or I start working from there. And then depending on my day, I'll go go to our office. A lot of things I'm also doing. Um, you know, on the road, I'll have, I don't know if it's interviews or meetings. So a lot of it's kind of back and forth. I mean, I spend a ton of time on the subway, mm-hmm. um, which I love and I'm trying to think of what's, um, and I usually get back, I get back to the house at like six ish. Um, and I'm, 
I eat with the kids. I really try to make that a ritual that I'm always there. Frederick is usually not there for dinner, but he gets home at around seven. And then um, we do homework with the kids, um, which is also, it's funny, like, you know, when you're young, you you kind of want to go out. No, I just, if I don't have to go out, I'm so happy. <laughs> I mean, my, my day, we, and we really don't go out as much anymore because it's it's really that time, that dinner and homework time, as hard as it can be, is such a nice thing to do. Uh, homework right, gets right. harder as they get older, too. <laughs> homework gets harder. But what I found is right now my son, who's still in first grade, yeah. I mean, he's the one who I need to be there yeah. and really watch it. My daughter does everything on her own, and she's very independent. I think that's also something that we try to foster. It's not mm-hmm. easy in New York to let them kind of do things on their own. And, like, I leave and let her walk around the, you know, corner by herself. You know, because I think that they – that's one thing. I, I grew up in Virginia, so I learned to be very independent at a young age. Yeah. And I think it's really important. I think that – when you shelter kids for too long, they just get, they're afraid. They're afraid to, to, to discover things. So, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah. So it's homework and then it's bedtime. Their bedtime is at eight. And then Frederick and I'll watch TV or be on our computers. Yeah, I was going to say, like, do, you sit, do you sit in bed on your phone doing work emails yeah, yeah, or are you against that? That's my one thing. I don't do it ever in the bedroom. Okay. I always go to my, cause my office is at home. So I'm always in my little space. Um, and always on my computer. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, when I'm around, I'm on my phone, but usually, you know, I like to be at my desk. I like to work at my, my computer and, and I never take it into the, I never take my laptop into the bedroom ever. And I don't even take my phone. Like at, at night when I plug in the phone, it's, it's off, it's charging in a different place in my office and it's nowhere near my bedroom. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Did you used to have it and then you had to set boundaries and make yourself not, or you've always been that way? I think I've been that I've always been that way and I've you know I think for me it's that that whole idea of too much energy too like you don't want things charging next to your bed and so I, I think that's part of it and then um yeah I don't I don't think I think it just kind of kind of happened that way If you could give our entrepreneurs audience one piece of advice business advice what would you share with them I mean lately I've been um really into these books by Michael Singer. I don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. um, The Surrender Experiment or what's the other one? He wrote another one that's I have really a lot good. of books to read after yeah. this morning. <laughs> no, it's really good. And I think um, one of the things is he's so, it's so funny. It's a little technical, but what I think he, he basically goes through this surrender experiment where he basically surrenders to life. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he just kind of gives up. It just means that he accepts what life brings to him. Mm-hmm. And, and he says his his one thing is basically don't close your heart or don't close up. And what it means is that I think we all grow up with certain um, preferences or experiences that we've had. And a lot of times we're confronted with something new and we tend to close and then we get negative and we start to think. So, so I think for me, it's about being, um, being very, you know, he he says don't don't tell people to open tell people not to close ah. because it's that like being afraid of something that that keeps you from enjoying life so i think that's it but i'm trying to think of a good business advice there's got to be that something that is good better. business advice though i think it's yeah. it's kind of goes with this other thing where it's like if 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 you're not sure of something put it in your heart yeah. see how it feels and then you'll know and i think i do that a lot in business mm-hmm. like i kind of if it feels right in your heart then it's a good thing um because you are confronted with so many decisions and sometimes you don't know which one's mm-hmm. the right one and it usually um that usually works but i had a really good one i was thinking about last night and now i can't think of i can't remember what it was 
if it comes to you, send us a message and yeah. we'll turn it into a quote graphic and share it with well, everyone. I also, really, I also have a really funny one. When I first started out in, in PR, I had these bosses that were like from Absolutely Fabulous, you know, with like Gucci vests and like they were nuts. I mean, these two <laughs> women who had no idea what communications was, they just decided to start a PR company and they were really good. But I remember it was my first job and they sent me to this fashion show in Milan for Armani, for Giorgio Armani. And I remember saying to them, I, I mean, I was thinking I was on the job for like a week and I was like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And they were like, just run around and look busy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and if you've ever been to a show, you know, I was an editor much yeah. later in my life. And I've, you know, I've seated so many shows, seated so many editors. And it's exactly true. Like you see those women running around with like clipboards and headphones and just run around and look busy and you'll be fine. And it's it's literally probably the best advice that I ever got. Um, That's so, so funny. Yeah. What does being cute. an entrepreneurista mean to you? I think it means that you have to let things happen organically and you have to put your life together in a way that works for you. I think that's really what it is. I think that um, kind of what we talked about before, believing in yourself, um, not listening to the gremlins, um, knowing that you've you've had a full life, you've had many great experiences and, and believing in those mm -hmm. and believing that they were meant for some reason, that you're here for some reason. I think that so many women suffer from uh, feeling insecure, you know, feeling um, that imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And I think that's where you have to learn to just not spend energy mm -hmm. on it and, and, and put your life together in a way that really works for you and that makes you happy. And, um, and don't feel, don't feel like you're, you know, letting that your kids are suffering because I think I've really seen since I've been working so hard on Bastide, they actually love it mm -hmm. and they really see what we're doing and they're proud of it. So, um, I don't think they suffer at all. I think you, you just, you just have to make sure that you're putting it together in a way mm -hmm. that you're still giving them attention. But, um, so I think entrepreneurista means putting your, putting your life together mm -hmm. in a way that works for you. I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've learned so much from you. Oh. Definitely going to take a lot of these pieces of advice for myself as well. well this was fun. And congratulations oh, on your Oh, thank you. And where can everyone find you, follow you, and of oh. course, buy your products? So so we're at Bastide.com. That's our website. And then we have our, our um, Instagram is Bastide Official. And my Instagram is svwolfen. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And as a little gift, we wanted to extend a little something to your listeners. If you enter Entreprenista as a code on our website, you'll have 15% off. Thank you so much. I know everyone will absolutely love that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Until next time, I'm Stephanie, and this was the best business meeting I've ever had. Thanks for listening. <laughs>